continuing our series in the book of Matthew, and we're in Matthews chapter 5 through 7, looking at the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus, the greatest preacher ever, is, is preaching the greatest sermon ever preached. And he's getting to a section of his preaching. Now, I have to be honest, like these are hard things that we've had to talk about. Like we're talking about um, adultery in your heart, and we talked about divorce, and we've talked about some really difficult subjects that Jesus touches on. Um, today he's talking about something that, uh, you know, for me it kind of rocks, rocks my theology a little bit. Some of the words that Jesus is going to say they're a little bit hard. I've had to do some study. I've had to do some prayer. I've had to go in, but I'm going, I can't deny the fact that Jesus said these hard words. And so today might be, uh, you know, we're just going to ask God to open up his scriptures. And I, I, would you guys just pray with me? We're going to keep praying through the, through the service, but I'm going to ask that God would, would speak through his word today. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that you would Give us these words and this truth, Lord, for us to understand who you are. Um, so help us to better understand. Help give clarity to the scriptures that are going to be communicated today, Lord. I pray you would speak. And God, we, we would know you more. That's what we want to do is we want to know you more today. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to share with you guys a, a quick story. When I, was, uh, at church, when I was at the church I was at when I was a youth pastor, Part of my responsibilities is I was the, the softball coach, and so I would kind of recruit softball players, and we would get the softball team going. And we always had, like, uh, so I used to be at Spring Hills, we would always win the softball season. So it was very competitive, and we had to make sure. Well, there was this guy that, that called up the church. He left a message. He said, hey, I heard you guys are looking for softball players. And so he began to go down his resume of how good of a softball player. He played college and baseball. This guy was like, Super stud, almost made the major leagues. I'm like thinking, oh my goodness, we need to get this guy on the softball team. I cannot believe this. Well, um, he comes out to play softball and I'm like, I didn't even, he couldn't even catch the ball. And I'm like, the guy obviously lied to me or something, but in his mind, he really was pretty delusional in that, that he was a great softball player. And if you, anybody's ever played softball, there's always that one guy that kind of like, kind of overshoots his abilities. And, um, and I started thinking about it. He's not a softball player at all. Well, it's kind of like that in our, in our life. Sometimes there's people that they kind of talk the talk. They engage in a lot of religious activity they call themselves Christians, but the reality is, as Jesus, we're going to see from the scriptures here, they never were followers or, or Christians at all. And so Jesus is going to, to share some, some um, tough words here. I want to go ahead and just read. I'm going to, uh, it's, you don't have to put this on the screen yet. I'm just going to go ahead and read from the Bible um, the verses. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7, 13, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruits you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. 
Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the, Father, or does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in, in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. And so what Jesus is talking about today is what is a true disciple? What is a true believer? And he's going to give us some distinguishing marks of that. And so if you're taking notes, the first thing he says is this, is a true believer, a true disciple, someone who chooses the true way. He chooses the true way. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the, the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only few find it. So the first thing about this is choosing the one true way. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, for many people in our culture, they would hear that and they would say, that's a very narrow-minded view, right? Well, God has made a way for us to have salvation, for us to enter into heaven, for us to have a relationship with him. And, and there's only one way. That seems very narrow, and it is. And the truth is, is that there is only one way, through Jesus Christ. However, we have to understand that that one way, is, it's an invitation for everyone. Every, he wants all people to come to salvation, to be saved, to know him. But it's only through that one way. Now, you say that in our culture, and people go, well, that's just so closed-minded. It's very narrow-minded. What are you telling me? Are you telling me that if I have a belief in Buddha that I, I, I'm not going to go to heaven? If I have a belief in Muhammad that I'm not going to go to heaven, that I believe sincerely that these crystals can bring healing to my body, that somehow I'm not, that's what I'm telling you. I'm telling you, if you put your faith and trust in anything other than Jesus Christ, that you will not spend eternity with God. You see, God loved you so much that he sent his one and only son, and he provided that way, but it's a very narrow way, and it's only through Jesus, but it's for everyone. Now, so Jesus, so Jesus makes it very clear that he is the narrow gate, right? He is the gate that we can all come into a relationship with God through. But I also think this passage applies not only to our salvation, but it, it applies to our everyday following Jesus life. You see, I think that for so many people, when they come into a relationship with God, they expect that God is going to answer all of their prayers, and, and all of their desires. And, and the reality is, is you know what? When you become a follower of Jesus, you still experience loss. You still experience tragedy. You still have tough days. But God walks with you through those days. In fact, I think oftentimes, he, God calls us to choose the more narrow path. When everyone is over here doing this, God is saying, I want you to choose the narrow path. What did he say in Matthew chapter 16? He's, or, uh, uh, Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, you have to deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. 
Now, obviously, denying ourselves, that's not the culture that we live in. The culture that we live in says, no, meet every one of your needs. If you're not happy, move on to the next person. If you're not happy in this situation, you know what? Just go find another situation that's going to make you happy. That's kind of what we do in our culture. And then he says to pick up your cross. And that culture, and, and what he's talking about, he's talking about death. Pick up your cross, sacrifice, live a life of suffering. Wow. But that's what he's called us to. And it's a very narrow way, but yet God has called us to this narrow way. I'll tell you this, though. Um, yeah, there have been times in my life, even as a pastor, where I, I felt like, hey, it'd be a, a lot easier if I wasn't doing ministry. It'd be a lot easier in my family. It'd just be a lot easier. But I'll tell you this. I, I couldn't imagine doing anything other than ministry because I, I, I know that God's working through me. I can feel that sense of the Holy Spirit working. He's never left my side during difficult times. And in those moments, I go, you know what? It's worth it. Even though Jesus calls us to a hard life, it's worth it. Now, and we get distracted and we're like, oh, it'd be easy over here. And, and it would be simpler if I, you were doing this. But God says, I'll walk with you in the hard times. And maybe right now you're going through a difficult time. You're in a difficult relationship. You're in a difficult season at your job. You're in a difficult uh, financial situation. And your first reaction is to avoid it, to run away. Maybe for you, it's to numb that pain through substances. It's to numb it through another unhealthy relationship. And that's what we naturally gravitate towards. And God says, no, don't run from it. Walk through it, and I will walk with you through it. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. And so we walk through these narrow gates, and so Jesus says, enter through the, the narrow gate. And even though it's more difficult, it's better, because he's there with you. And so walk through the narrow gate. Um, I also think, you know, if we talk about this idea of narrow gate, it goes back to his first words on the Sermon on the Mount. You remember the Beatitudes? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled Blessed are the peacemakers. And so if you look at the Beatitudes and you look at that section of scripture, what is he talking about? He's talking about the narrow way. None of us like to mourn. None of us like to come to a, the end of ourselves and realize how poor in spirit we are. And then at the end of the Beatitudes, and what he says is this, and blessed are you when you're persecuted and you're insulted for my name. For great is your reward in heaven. And so when we go through difficult times, we have this hope of heaven that God walks through with us through it, but also we've got this eternity in front of us and there's reward and God's gonna bless us. And so that gives us hope, right? Doesn't this give us hope to, to carry on? Well, the second thing he talks about in regards to being a, a true believer, he says, if you're a true believer, if you're a true disciple of mine, you're gonna avoid false prophets. Avoid false prophets. He says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, 
but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Now, what is a false prophet? In the Old Testament, a prophet would be the mouthpiece of God. So a prophet would go to a group of people and he would speak on behalf of God. Now, if that prophet, the only way that people would know that that prophet was a true prophet is if what they spoke came true. Now, the problem was that in the Old Old Testament, there were a lot of false prophets. And so the people, they would go out and they would prophesy, but what would happen is whatever they prophesied would not come true. And do you know what the punishment for a false prophet was in the Old Testament? It was death. In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 20 and 22, but a prophet who presumes to speak in my name anything I have not commanded or a prophet who speaks in the name of other gods is to be put to death. You may say to yourselves, who can we know or how can we know when a message has not been spoken by the Lord? If what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true, that is a message the Lord has not spoken. That prophet has spoken presumptuously, so do not be alarmed. And so you go, well, yeah, they, they, they have, there's false prophets and false teachers. Jesus actually said that the closer we got to his second coming, him coming back to bring us up with him, there will be more false prophets. He's talking about the end times in Matthew chapter 24. He says, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. And so he said, Jesus says, listen, there's gonna be false prophets of the day. And oftentimes what we find in the, in the Old Testament and the New Testament is that the false prophets, they would prophesy what the people wanted to hear. And they, they wanted to, you know, like they would just, you know, the kings didn't want to hear the bad news, right? When God was going to bring bad news. So they're like, no, 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 prophesy the good news. We just want to hear all the good stuff. Prophets oftentimes when they, when they speak on behalf of God, but they're not, their hearts really are not for him, they're trying to gain something. Maybe they're trying to gain some more popularity, more fame. They're trying to gain more wealth. And so we see false prophets in our day, and and maybe they're trying to proclaim some kind of truth mixed in there, but in the midst of it, they're trying to elevate themselves. And if you think about it, Jesus is speaking to the religious leaders at this point. The religious leaders that knew the scriptures, they prayed these lengthy prayers, they made a big ruckus when they... They threw their money, you know, they gave their money and they just drew drew attention to themselves. That that, he says, no, 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 you've got it all wrong. You've got it all wrong. Second Timothy, Paul talks to a young pastor, Timothy, and he says this, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. What is sound doctrine? Sound doctrine would, would be Jesus Christ. He's the way, the truth, the life. Salvation through him alone that the Bible is the inerrant word of God, that, that God is the creator of this universe. You know, some of these doctrines that we hold true, these important doctrines, he says, there's gonna come a time when people won't put up with sound doctrines. Instead, to suit their own desires, 
they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. And so what they do is they go, okay, what's going to sell? <laughs> what's going to sell? What message is going to sell? What message is going to benefit me? And the people are going to love it and everybody's going to be happy, but, but I don't care because I'm telling you lies. That's what a false prophet does. And so a false prophet, and, and we just have to recognize them. In fact, Jesus says we're, we're going to recognize them by their fruit. And so is what they're saying, is it, does it, is it line up with Scripture? Does what somebody's saying, does the hearer actually benefit and draw closer to God as a result of that person's speech? You know, as a, as a teacher of God's word, I have to be held accountable to the things that I share with you guys. And so whatever I say, I have to bring back to the word of God and say, can, can you look at the scriptures? Can you back this up with the word of God? Because I'm not speaking on behalf of myself. I'm speaking on behalf of God. And so I have to make sure that what I'm speaking is true. And you guys can always pray for me as, as your pastor. Pray for me to speak the truth. Pray for me to, to be bold with the truth. As the, we see the day approaching, you're gonna have more people deciding to veer off. And we're finding this in the church. The deconstruction of people's theology and doctrine. And now we, we think that like, hey, we like these portions of scripture, but these portions of scripture don't really fit our needs and our desires. And so we're just gonna throw them out. And you're finding that more and more in the church. And so we need to hold strong to, to God's truth, and we need his strength to be able to do that. And so he's called us to, to, to avoid false prophets. Well, the third thing we can see from a true believer um, is that a true believer bears good fruit. I love this analogy of fruit that Jesus gives. Verse 17 through 20. Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down or thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Uh, isn't that great? So, obviously, a bad tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a good tree cannot bear bad fruit. A good tree is going to bear good fruit. And I was thinking about this in terms of, like, orchards. We live in a beautiful area. You, you just drive out. Gravenstein Highway, and you've got orchards of Gravenstein apples, and you look at these trees, and they're producing the, just the most amazing apples, maybe even in the world. And, and, and you look at those trees, and, and some trees are going to bear more fruit than others. It's the same in our Christian lives. There's some people that are going to bear more fruit than other people, but the reality is there's going to be some evidence of fruit in their lives if they're true believers, if they're true disciples. And so what does that look like? That looks like, you know, somebody who's, who's serving people in the name of Jesus. Someone who's sharing their faith, not to elevate themselves, but to be, because they care so much about that person. They want to know that they're going to heaven. It's somebody that, that's living a self-sacrificing life. In fact, Jesus even said about bearing fruit in um, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. He says this in John chapter 15, verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will 
bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. What I love about this passage is that you're noticing that I'm not using the word producing fruit. You see, as followers of Jesus, we don't produce fruit. We bear fruit. And the only reason that we bear fruit is that we're connected to the vine. We're connected to the source of life. We're connected to Jesus himself. And so Jesus says, hey, he doesn't, he doesn't say, hey, I want you just to go follow a bunch of rules. I want you just to become more religious in your activity. I, I, he, he never says that. What Jesus says is he says, if you remain in me, then you are going to naturally bear fruit. You see, if Jesus is like essentially our fruit tree that we're connected to, then he's going to bear fruit through us. So what, what does that look like? Well, that means I'm going to spend time with my Lord and Savior. I'm going to read his word. I'm going to spend time praying to him. I'm going to be connected to his body, to the fellowship of believers. And I'm going to spend time with them, encouraging them and allowing them to encourage my life. And, and we're going to spur each other along towards faith and good deeds. And so being connected to Jesus, that's when we're going to bear fruit. And what's the fruit look like? Well, we see in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, the fruits of the Spirit. For the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And so when you look at these things and you look at your life, are you becoming more patient? Are you becoming kinder? Are you becoming more loving? That is, that is the litmus test for the fruit and spiritual growth in your life. As the Spirit of God moves in your heart and makes you more like his son Jesus, and that would be the, the evidence is this person becoming more like Jesus Christ? Are they becoming less like Jesus Christ? And so he gives us the test. The, uh, we're called to be, you know, um, at the beginning of chapter seven, a couple weeks ago, I talked about the fact that we're, we're not to judge each other, right? Jesus says, you know, do not judge. But here Jesus is saying we're called to and be discerning and we're called to be Fruit inspectors. You've ever gone to the store and inspected fruit? Some of you do that, right? I see some of you, you're like eating the grapes. I'm like, that's beyond, that's beyond inspecting the fruit when you start eating the fruit, right? You're like, I, okay, I do that sometimes, right? I'm like, oh, these, these grapes are good. Um, but if you think about that, it's like, you know, how do you tell if a, if a watermelon is, is good? You knock on that watermelon and hear how hollow it is and stuff, and and I think as, as followers, we're not to go around judging people, but, but for people that have called themselves followers of Jesus, we just knock on their lives a little bit and we go, okay, what are we, what are we hearing there? Is it real fruit? And so um, a, a real true disciple bears good fruit. And then fourthly, Jesus says a, a, a true disciple knows him personally. A true disciple knows Jesus personally. And this is the, the portion of scripture, guys, that kind of rocks my world a little bit. It's one of those things as a pastor, as a preacher, it's very, much, it's very easy just to gloss over it. Nah, nah. But I want you guys to get what he's saying here. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, 
Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. What's hard about this is these, these guys are casting out demons and they're doing miracles. They're, they're showing the people that they, they have, there's some sort of power that is happening through their lives. And Jesus said what? He says, but yet I never knew you. Again, within the context, who is he talking to? I think at this point, he's directing a lot of this conversation to the religious leaders of the day. The Pharisees, they were, they were amazing at being religious, but they didn't have a relationship with God. And so the fact that they were doing all these amazing things, but they were doing it in their name from a different power, and they weren't doing it in Jesus' name and with his power and knowing him. And so Jesus says, listen, just because you do all this stuff and you say, Lord, Lord, if you don't know me, I don't know you. And so a true believer is someone that knows Jesus personally. He says, I, I never knew you. I never knew you. Guys, Christianity is not a religious thing. Like when people say, well, uh, I'm religious, and you know, they find out I'm a pastor, and then they say, well, I, I, you know, I, I do this religion, or I'm religious. Oftentimes what I tell them is, guys, I am a pastor, but I'm not religious. I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I know him personally. I know him intimately. I know that when things go crazy in my life, who do I call on? I call on the name of Jesus. Why? Because he's my Lord. He's my savior. He's my best friend. He's my rescuer. He's my redeemer. He's the one that comes alongside me when I'm confused and don't know where to go. He's my everything. And so as a result of that, now, now here's the thing. I don't always live the perfect life. I'm not always saying the right things. I'm not always doing the right things. But guess what? I am resting solely on the grace and the love and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ in my life. And I continually go back to him. I continually go back in my shame, in my guilt, in my, in my struggle. God, I need you. Why? Because I have a relationship with him. And he's never gonna leave me nor forsake me. And he's never gonna leave you nor forsake you. And he loves you. And he wants that same kind of relationship with you as well. And so we, we just call upon his name. He says, I never knew you. And Jesus wants to know you today. Uh, there's an interesting, there's an interesting um, parable that just doesn't get much airtime. I've never really heard a, a sermon on it. Uh, but it's a parable of the wheat and the, the weeds, or the wheat and the tares. And so there's a guy, he goes and he plants this crop of wheat. But at night, his enemy comes and he plants weeds amongst, amongst the, the wheat. And so as it begins to grow up, the servant of the guy that, you know, that planted the crops, he comes and he says, hey, did you notice that there's all these weeds growing up with the wheat? And the guy says, yeah, my enemy came when I wasn't looking at night and he, he, he did that. And the guy goes, well, do you want, me, do you want us to pull it all up? He goes, no, 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 wait. Because if you pull up the, wheat, or the, the weeds, then you're going to pull the weed up with it. And so let it just grow to full maturity. And at the end, we'll pull the weeds, we'll bundle, bundle them up, and we'll throw them in the fire. And it's just a, a, a reality that as, 
you know, even amongst us, sometimes there's people that they act a certain way, they say a certain thing, but they're not truly believers. They're not truly believers. Uh, one of the greatest illustrations of this, have you guys ever heard of this guy named Barry Bremen? Back in the, the late 70s and the 80s. So there was an uh, ESPN documentary done on him. And I had never heard about him, but when I, I, I saw what he did, it was so fascinating. He's, he's described as the greatest and the biggest imposter in sports history. And so this guy, he just was a real, like, he, he was a business guy and he was a, he was a sales guy and he could say things. And so what he would do is he would, he would actually act like he was a professional basketball player and he, he got on the court, got figured out how to get a uniform, got on the court of an NBA all-star basketball game. He's like, this is when Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, back in the day, right? And so he's there doing layups with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and he's this imposter. He actually goes to the, um, the all-star game, the baseball all-star game, and he dresses up as a Yankee, and he's out on the field taking balls, like fly balls, and he's warming up with all the all-stars, and he's out there, and he's, it actually shows it. He's getting in the group picture with all the all-stars, and they finally go, who's this? That's not, a, that's not even a baseball player. Who are you, you know? Uh, the craziest thing is he, he dressed up as a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader, and he actually went on, and, and, and that one didn't last very long. Um, but I started thinking about this. This guy is the greatest imposter in all of sports history. And Jesus is saying, don't be an imposter. Don't be an imposter. He does, he does, he's not looking for imposters. He's looking for true believers. Those that, are, that, that know him, have a relationship with him, have given their hearts to him, that believe that he died on the cross to save them. And so as a result of that, we come into a, a relationship with him. He's called us to know him. And so let me just ask you guys, um, do you know him? I know that many of you come to church. Many of you probably read your Bibles. Many of you do religious things and maybe you serve. But I would, I would hate for anyone to walk out these doors today without a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Many of you do know him. You guys know what I'm talking about. Like, you know who to call on when, when you're going through tragedy. You know who to call on to rejoice. You know who gives you all the blessings in your life. Like, you, you get to talk to him every day. You know him. But for some of, some of you guys don't know him. And I want you to know him today. I want you to know him in a personal relationship today. This is the day of salvation. And my encouragement to you is this, is this. you don't even know if you're, if, if you're gonna be here tomorrow. Um, my cousin, who is only a few years older than me, I got a call a couple days ago. Uh, she had a stroke. At that point, she was still alive and she was, seemed like maybe there might be a, a possibility of her surviving. And I got a text this morning when I woke up that she passed away. She was only in her early 50s. And, and my first part of that was like, I'm just so sad because I have so, so many wonderful memories of me and my cousin when we were kids and going on vacations. But then the other part of me said, wow, life is so uncertain. Life is so uncertain. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ 
and you pass away, the Bible says that you've denied that relationship and you'll spend eternity apart from him. And for me, I'm like, I don't want that to happen. I don't want that to be the case here at the Bridge Church. I don't want that to be the case in our, in our community for people that don't know Jesus Christ. And so I'm gonna invite you today, if you don't know Jesus Christ, that today's the day that you say, I believe that you died on the cross for me to forgive me, to cleanse me, to make me right with the Father. And I wanna know you today. Let's pray to him. Father, I, uh, I thank you, God, for this, this passage, Lord. And it's a reminder, God, of how much you love us. That, Lord, you loved us enough to share the truth with us. And so, Lord, I'm, I'm praying right now for anybody in this audience that has never put their faith in you. They've never said yes to you, Jesus. They, they don't know you yet. That today, right now in their hearts, they would say, Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you're the way, the truth, and the life. And I put my faith in you today. God, I thank you for anybody that receives you and believes in you and confesses their sin and repents before you, Lord, that God, they are now a true believer. Not only a true believer, but a true disciple, God, and I'm thankful for, for that. And so thank you for salvation today. Thank you for hearts being changed and, changed and lives being changed. And so, Father, I pray that, Lord, you would walk with them. God, for us that we, we know you, help us to know you more. Help us to, to grow in our relationship with you and to grow in our understanding of how we can honor you with our lives, knowing that you gave everything for us. God, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you for these scriptures, Lord, and we ask that, God, you would fill us with your spirit so we can live a life that honors you. In Jesus' name, amen.